sporting a new series, and uh, as we've been uh, advertising and titled it, uh, Heroes. It's always in times of difficulty uh, when people look for heroes. Uh, you, you don't expect to see uh, to see Superman come when everything's going well, and uh, that's what you have with Batman. You don't turn on the light, uh, the call for Batman, until you've got a, a major problem on your hands, and that's the nature uh, of heroes is that you need heroes in times of difficulty, and it's in, in, in times of distress uh, that we expect heroes to lend a hand. Uh, and that's what we're going to do in looking at Hebrews chapter 11 is we're going to study uh, the heroes of the scriptures and, and how they can help us uh, in our faith and in our journey with God. But before we can study them, I think it's important to look at the context that the writer has given us. And so this morning we're actually uh, going to begin in Hebrews chapter 10. And we're going to look at the reason why the, the writer of Hebrews is going to discuss these heroes of faith, why he is compelled to lay out all those examples that he describes for us uh, in Hebrews chapter 11. So Hebrews chapter 10, and, and, and scanning back through there, uh, you have the reminder of what, what Christ has done for us as he's, he's gone through the veil and we can boldly come before the throne of God and that we've had our, our, our bodies washed with pure water. And in the warning from verses 26 through 31 about sinning willfully, if we choose to sin deliberately, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but simply a fearful expectation of judgment. Now verse 32, but recall in the former days, when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those, who, the, uh, those mistreated. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet in a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not, those, uh, not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. This is an interesting beginning because uh, he, he writes this and you see the suffering that is going on here uh, to these Hebrew Christians. Uh, notice he says, remember what it was like in the beginning, actually speaking of their, their conversion process. They were enlightened. They'd come to Christ. They'd been baptized. This is in verse 32. They had endured a hard struggle with sufferings. And then notice in verse 33, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, being even partners with those who had been mistreated. And so this, this beginning of everybody uh, who had re received this letter, you, you've experienced suffering of some sort. You, you've been exposed to, to these insults and these afflictions and these trials and these difficulties. In verse 34, you had compassion on those who were even being thrown in prison. Uh, you have a severe persecution that's being described as the backdrop of this letter. And notice in verse 34, you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property. Can you imagine? Can you imagine that kind of turmoil? Can you imagine that kind of suffering? You, you sat back and even had your property taken away from you. 
knowing that there was something more to be looking forward to. Verse 34, you yourselves had a better possession and abiding one. This is an important beginning and an important foundation to talking about the heroes of faith. Because often when we talk about our struggles and our trials and our difficulties of life, we like to think that nobody else suffers like we suffer. We've gone through something different. Our life is not like anybody else's and nobody knows what we've endured. Nobody can understand the things that that we've had to accept. Nobody can empathize and sympathize with the things that have happened to us. And, And the reason we do that, I think, is not because we want encouragement, but we do that because we want to be able to say nobody can understand. And the foundation of this writing is the writer of Hebrews is saying, I understand what you went through. I understand what you've suffered. I understand your afflictions. I know that you've gone through an awful lot. I understand you've been persecuted. And if it hasn't been you, it's been somebody very close to you. And he goes further and says, you've even joyfully accepted the plundering of your possessions. You've lost property in the midst of all this. And this is the groundwork of why now the writer of Hebrews is going to describe these heroes. He's going to describe to them, look at what these other people went through. That you have gone through suffering, but you're not the only one. You are not the first person to have gone through trials. You're not the first person to have gone through great difficulties. You're not the first person to have suffered immense suffering and gone through challenges in life in which you don't understand how things are going to work out and how it's all going to come out in the end. And that's where where the writer is going here, is saying, you've gone through a lot. There's no denying that you've gone through a lot. But he says there in, in uh, verse, verse 36, you need some endurance. I'm going to give you some encouragement here. I'm going to talk to you about some people who are going to help you in your suffering, who are going to give you some encouragement, who are going to give you some hope in the midst of these difficulties. Uh, you have to go back in verse 35 as well. <coughs> Excuse my voice. I think it'll, I think it'll hold out. Verse 35, don't throw away your confidence, which has great reward. And so what he's going to tell them here is, why should, why should we continue trusting in God in the middle of suffering? It seems to be an implied question. Why should we continue to put our faith in God and believe in God and, and believe that things are going to work out, that God's going to take care of us uh, in the middle of these difficulties? And he brings out three things. He begins there by saying, don't, don't give up. Don't throw away that confidence because... That that trust that you have in God is going to bring about a great reward. There's something that you are looking forward to that's going to be far better than the things that you're experiencing now. Notice it in in verse 35, uh, or actually the end of verse 34. He says, you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. This is the way they endured the plundering of their possessions. Is that he says, you know, uh, you, you gave those things up, those physical things, but... You knew you had something better. You had a greater reward awaiting for you. And so the first point he makes is, why trust in God? Well, remember, there's a great reward awaiting for you. He reminds him of another factor in verse 37, in verse 38. He says, because the righteous live by faith. That's an interesting statement. Hey, thank you. I appreciate that. I'm going to load up up here. (laughs) If they make a cure for allergies, I'll be thrilled. Because man, for the month of March and the month of April, just shoot me. I could just be hibernating. I'd be far better off. Thank you, Cortez. Verse 38, but my righteous one shall live by faith. What a statement made by the writer of Hebrews. It says there's another reason why you're going to endure is because 
This is the nature of being righteous. The nature of being righteous is you're going to have to put your trust in God. And that's not through the, only the easy times. It's going to be through the difficult times. There's going to be challenges in life. And uh, like my dad always told me, nobody said life was going to be easy. And, and that seems to be the implication of the writer here. When he says the righteous are going to live by faith, uh, things are going to be difficult. Uh, it wouldn't be trusting in God if everything in life was always easy. Uh, things are going to be hard. And that's when trust really meets the road. When you really have to put your life uh, in God's hands. It's easy to say that we trust in God when life's easy. Oh yeah, we trust in God. Life's easy. Kick back, relax, no problem. But when things are hard, okay, now do you really trust God? Now do you really believe? Now do you really think that God's going to take care of you? Now do you really think God's going to get you through? And that's what he's saying. I, I know the difficulty you've gone through. So it's the righteousness by faith. They, they continue to trust God. And the third reason... He says, you trust God because if you shrink back, you're going to be destroyed. Don't, don't give up. Don't, don't let go. Don't, don't run the journey and, and get halfway there and then give up. Uh, the, those who really trust in God go all the way to the end. And so then he goes on in verse 39 and he gives them a great statement of confidence after, after warning them. Listen, the righteous, they live by faith. You want to be pronounced righteous by God, you've got to trust God thick and thin. And then he goes on and says, those who do not trust God, God destroys them. Those who shrink back, those who give up, God will destroy. But verse 39, but we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed. What a great statement. I like that. We're not that. That's not us. We are not those people. We are not going to be the ones who are going to trust in God a short little while. And then when things get worse, we give up. We're not that. So it's a great statement of confidence that he gives here. I want to now go into chapter 11 and verse 1. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. You guys have this one memorized? This was one of my kid memory verses that was blazoned into my brain. And it was one that was blazoned into my brain that I never could understand. And I feel like I finally figured it out, at least at this point. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. This is a, an interesting statement that he begins with, that faith is the substance of things hoped for. I think the reason why I had such a hard time understanding this sentence is because I didn't understand the word substance. Now, I, today, a substance is, is just about any object, right? You know, this is a substance. You know, it's kind of, you know, we, if we don't know what to call something, it's a substance. That ooey, gicky thing is a substance. You know, that's kind of what substance means to us. And so as a kid, faith is the substance of things hoped for. I'm like, I don't get what we're talking about here. Uh, but this word has is some important value. Uh, we, it's a compound word. Substance. Uh, we have lots of compound words with substance. Submarine is underwater. Uh, subterranean is underground. And this is substance we're standing under. Faith stands under our hope. And that's the literal meaning of what this Greek word is describing. A setting, a placing under, a substructure, a foundation, a support. And that's what that means there. So what we're, what we're being told here is faith is the foundation of hope. 
Never really got their sleep last night, so you know it's just the way it is. It's okay. We'll let all the, my kids will go Packers too. It's all right. If the government would stop changing the clocks, we'd all be fine, right? We'd all we all just do fine around here. Give me a break, all right? We, we will press on. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. What we're being told is faith is the foundation of our hope. Faith is what stands under our hope. If we're to literally uh, bring that out, and so I think substance. Is really the better word. A lot of the translations today have uh, faith is the assurance of things so forth. But that doesn't really uh, carry the force uh, of what this is saying. Is that uh, faith is what builds for hope to stand on. It would be a picture of like a bridge. And the pillars under the water are the pillars of faith. And the bridge then is the hope that spans across. And so your hope then is only as strong as your faith. And that's what he's picturing here, that you need strong faith. You need endurance because your hope rests upon that. Uh, your hope will become weak when your faith is weak. And so it is time for some endurance. It is time for some strengthening uh, of that faith. And so uh, I, that is the picture that I think the writer is trying to challenge us with when we study the heroes in our upcoming lessons, is that we are going to look at what made each of them special. And why the writer picks out the particular scenario that he does about each hero is that they showed this undivided, unwavering confidence in God in immense difficulties. Regardless of the situation, regardless of the scenario, no matter how bad it got, the writer's going to describe, look at how this person, despite that difficulty, he, he didn't give up. He didn't waver. His trust or her trust, remain completely steadfast in God. And so that is why he gives this writing, and probably not very good to say this is the definition of faith, but it really is a picture of why faith is important and what faith is really about. Is as much trust as you have in God is as much hope as you're going to be able to carry because hope is built upon the other. The second statement that's made there, is that faith then is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence or the conviction uh, of things not seen. And, and this is an important description for us as well. That faith then gives us conviction concerning unseen things. And, and that's uh, real interesting of what he is going to tell us here. Uh, not only what we've just read, but as we go through each of these heroes, we're going to see that the writer is calling for us to trust in God in such a way that we are able to see the things that are unseen. And I think that's really what he's saying, is that faith then is really the ability to see unseen things. We are required to have a, a different kind of vision, to be able to see life in, in different terms. That life is not just simply about the physical things that happen to us, that life is not simply the events of this world. There's a lot more to it. And faith is being able to open our eyes and see, wait a minute, there's this whole other world that exists. There are things that are going on that I'm unable to see with my human eyes, but I know is going on. That God is active. That things are working in this world. And so the picture then is faith is in the conviction of things I've seen. It's the proof of that. It's the, the reality of knowing that even though I can't see it, I, I know it's there. I know it's happening. And so that's what, what Paul would spend a lot of time talking about. Second Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 17. And interesting that as, as Paul writes this to the Corinthians, it's under the same threat and problem 
of persecution and suffering. Paul says, for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. And here Paul made the same point, because in the middle of suffering, who was able to say, a light momentary affliction? And I always read that and go, that's impressive, Paul. If I were the Corinthians, I would have read that and said, you know, you're really uh, uh, degrading us here and calling our, our suffering momentary and light. Thank you so much, you know. Uh, very interesting. No, no. When I see the unseen, when I'm able to look beyond the physical, when I'm able to pull back and see the great reward that awaits those who do not shrink back, when I understand that God, though unseen, is, is working in this world, I'm able to look at the physical and say, you know, it's momentary. It's, it's short. There, there's something else I'm looking forward to. And that's the comparison that he's making when he compares it to the eternal weight of glory. That's beyond all comparison. When we begin to think about what's awaiting us, the suffering that we endure now can hardly be compared. It can hardly be imagined as something that would prevent us from entering the kingdom of God. How could we allow something in this life, the physical thing, the physical suffering, prevent us from the eternal weight of glory that's waiting us? And that's what Paul is describing. That's what the writer of Hebrews is saying. And so he would say in the second letter there as well, that the essence of the righteous is that we live by faith and not by sight. I don't know that we're always doing that. It's so easy... It's so easy to live life with our eyes merely on the physical world. I think it's very easy for disciples to forget that we are looking forward to unseen things. That there is not reward that is experienced right now. That justice is not always experienced right now. Vindication is not always experienced right now. And the things, the benefits and the blessings that we expect from God not all of those are given to us right now. And when we forget about these unseen things, and we go through the challenges, we go through trials, we go through suffering, it's easy to let that wave cause us to waver. And Satan does a tremendous job trying to ram those pillars of faith that stand under our hope. And that's what Satan wants to do, is to try to weaken that faith, to shake that faith, so that you and I begin to let go of the hope that we have in God. And by letting go a little bit of that trust and beginning to question God a little bit more and a little bit more, that hope then becomes weaker and weaker. And we begin to question, well, why am I doing this in the first place? And so the writer brings us full circle and says, remember what you have. Remember what you're waiting for. You've had your goods plundered. You've been going through suffering. You've seen your companions thrown in prison. But you have great reward. Don't cast off your confidence. You're looking forward to something greater. You are placing your hope in something that's not right here. And it's not in these physical things. You're looking forward to something better that God's going to offer. Notice in verse 2. For by it, speaking of their faith, for by it the people of old received their commendation. What what a great picture is that faith is what stains under our hope. And he says, now look back 
to the heroes of faith. And he says, look back to those people of old. And, and it was through their faith that they received that approval. They were the ones who had the ability to see the unseen. And, and that's what we're going to get to look at. We're going to get to look at people like Abraham. And how can we not ask the question, how, how could Abraham go and offer a son? You know, you read that story every time. And I still can't get over that. And how does a man like Moses give up everything of Egypt, go live in a wilderness for 40 years, and come on back to the scorn of his own people and lead them out of the land of slavery? How, how can that be? How can you have a man like Noah, who to the ridicule of the world was going to build a, 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 an ark? And save the world of his family and animals. Because they were able to see the unseen. Because they were able to comprehend that there was something greater that they were looking forward to. And that they were going to do what God said because of that. I like the New English Bible. Not a version I think I use at all. But this is probably more literal what verse 2 is saying. It says, for it, it is for their faith that the men of old stand on record. That word for approval or commendation literally means to testify or to give witness. And so it gives us the picture of here are the heroes of faith. And they are all going to give us their testimony. They're all on the record for the reasons why they put their trust in God. They're standing before us as, a, as this chronicle that we are going to be able to read. And all of it reveals to us Here's what they did. Here's why they had that trust. And here's why they put their faith in God. And so this is what this series is going to do, is we're going to get to, to look at these heroes and say, look at what they were able to stand on. Go to verse 3 now. Verse 3, By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things, that are visible. Before he even gets to describing the heroes of faith, before he even begins to describe, now he, let, let's begin to look at what these people were able to do. He stops and he says, let me give you one foundation for faith. Let, let me give you one pillar that, that, that you can have to stabilize your life and to give you hope. And he just goes to the creation. He goes to the creation and he says, you know, that's an unseen event. Anybody seen the creation? Here is faith right from the very beginning. Here is this unseen event that requires trust. And this is, of course, a great problem in our world today as scientists argue about the beginnings of the universe and try to figure out how we got here, why we're here, how did it all come about, uh, trying to come up with scientific reasons to which... All of those scientific reasons come up short. And what I think is pointed out here is that this is going to be based upon reason and logic. You look at the creation, and what's the most logical thing that you come up with? Is that somebody created it. Somebody put it all here. It's too complex to be done by random. It's too organized to be done by chance. Even though I cannot see God, even though I did not see creation... I have full confidence and I have full belief that God put it all here. Do you use the creation as one of your pillars of faith? 
Anytime I ever get shaken by things, and I sit back and I, I, I'm like you, I sit there and scratch my head every once in a while and go, is this all for real? You know, is this all, is this right? Is this what we all really should be doing? Is this really it? This is probably one of my strongest foundation faith pillars, is the creation. Is I just simply look around and go, it doesn't make sense for all this to be here and there not be a God. I cannot put reason or logic or normal comprehension behind the complexity of this universe and all of its order and all of its power without there being a God. And we've done that with so many things. We don't have to meet makers of computers to know that somebody made a computer. We don't have to meet makers of watches to know that somebody made the watch. Nobody believes that their automobile was a random act of explosion in a junkyard. We look around at the world and it's the same thing. It's too complex. It's too ordered. It's too powerful. And so there must be a God. And so it's very interesting to me before he's even willing to begin to describe the heroes of faith, he steps back and says, this whole thing is built on faith. Our whole lives are built on faith. Everything about us is about trusting God, and it all steps back to the very beginning. It all steps back right there to the very creation account itself. And so we are mindful then that we put trust that we exist because God put us here. That this world in its great fascination and all of its capabilities, God put it here. There was understanding and intelligence and wisdom in those things. Some things that I want to look at to be able to give us then a foundation for hope this morning. And of course there's a recognition that that's exactly what it is. That uh, Our hope in God and our, and our conviction in God and in, in, in those things are directly correlated to our faith. Uh, a, a weak hope means that we probably have weak faith. Since faith stands under our hope. If we're unsure about you know I don't know about eternal life I don't know if I'm doing okay with God then what that suggests is that there's a weak faith there's a weak trust standing there and so what I'm hoping that we will do in this series of lessons is that we will work on building that faith that we will work on that substructure that support because that's where that begins as Satan tries to chip at that faith and tries to destroy our faith, it is up to us then to do all that we can to build that faith up. And we're going to read about these heroes of faith. And I think it's going to be right for us to say, I don't have the faith that we read about a lot of these people having. But that's the intended purpose, is that we're going to read about what they did. And that's going to encourage us and strengthen our faith. And so you may be sitting in the audience this morning and saying, you know, I'm not real sure about eternal life. I'm not sure about my my uh, stand before God. I don't know that I have much hope in the things that are to come. And my answer this morning is that's okay. That's what we're going to work on. That's what we're going to work on is building faith. That this series about looking at these characters is going to look at how they did that, how they had that faith, how they got to that point, and how we can mimic that. If you're even strong in the faith, Notice that we're, what we're seeing as well is that faith is what gets you through life's difficulties. Without that trust in God, I, I don't know, 
I don't know how you, we are supposed to understand our difficulties, how we're supposed to understand trials, how we deal with the difficulties of life. Uh, as I think about the things that I've got that have happened to me in my life, think about the things that have happened in your life. How do you get through if there's not that beginning point of there's God? Uh, that's that's the beginning of that hope, is that, okay, even though I suffer now, and even though I endure great difficulties now, I'm looking forward to the greater reward. And that's what the writer of Hebrews is saying of these people here, when he reminds them of, look at what you were able to do, verse 34, that you accepted the plundering of your property joyfully because you knew that you yourselves had a better possession, an abiding one. That's how you endure, is because you know of something else. You know that there's something better. There's where our hope lies. So verse 36 says, so you have need of endurance. When you read that, do you think they need endurance? I would have read them, you guys are doing great. You guys have joyfully accepted the plundering of your property? I think that would have shaken my faith. I think I would have sat back and scratched my head a few times and said, well, I really don't know about all this. Things haven't worked out very well since we've become Christians. Uh, we were getting persecuted here. We're losing our property. And he says, even though you've had strong faith up to this point, you need more. And so even to those of you who would say, oh, I'm strong in faith, this series is here and this, these lessons of the heroes of faith is to help build that faith even stronger and to build it even deeper because, as he points out here, the righteous live by faith. We have to come back to the realization that we will not be pronounced righteous by God on the day of judgment unless we have put our full trust in God to get us through this life. The righteous live by faith. The re religious world has distorted and perverted what it means to live by faith. They have turned that into mindless, nonsensical, you just kind of follow along in this uh, ethereal spiritual realm without any regard for anything logical. That's not what God is saying. The righteous live by faith means that you're going to keep trusting in God no matter what happens. You're going to stand before God on the day of judgment. And he will only pronounce us righteous if we have completely surrendered to him, completely trusted him through good times and bad times. God's righteous live by faith. That's the point that the writer of Hebrews is making. So we need a deeper faith so that we can be called righteous. We need to grow that faith. We need to be able to have deeper roots so that when those difficult times come, we will be able to stand strong. And finally, don't give up. For you this morning, for the lesson that I want to give you off this lesson about the, these Hebrews and what they were going through, the important point that he was making to them is don't forfeit now. You've come so far. Don't give up now. You've endured so much up to this point. Why would you throw it all away now? Think about all the suffering that you have gone through. Think about all the trials that you have endured. Why would you quit now? You have made the journey. You're well on your way. Don't throw it away now. What good will that be to stand before God on the day of judgment and say you made it halfway? You've gone three quarters of the way or only a quarter of the way. Go the distance. And so this is where 
this picture is going is this picture of this journey, this race. Go the distance with your faith. If you want to look ahead, chapter 12, verse 1, after he goes through all the heroes of faith. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. That's how this story is going to end. As we're going to get to the end, he's going to say, now run with endurance. Look at who ran before you. Look at what they were able to accomplish. Look at the trust that they had, even in the great difficulties, and you run like they ran. And that's what we're saying to you this morning. Don't give up. You have difficulties in your life now. You will have difficulties ahead of you in this life. Don't give up. Don't cast off your confidence. You have great reward and great hope if you will hold on to the promises of God. 